We have a uh, special opportunity to hear from some of the missionaries that we support and pray for. Um, Brandon and Carrie are serving in Turkey and and are back here now for what? Are you guys here about a month or so? Uh, total in the states about two months. Okay, very good. And and they've been able to come and join us here today and share some of what God is doing in and through their lives there in Turkey. So, Brandon, thank you for being here, Carrie. And the whole family. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, it's great to be with you guys today. Uh, thanks so much for your partnership with us over there in Turkey. Uh, so we're in Colorado for a month and Nebraska for a month, kind of splitting between our two families and supporting churches. And uh, so we're back with another baby. And we'll talk a little bit more about him in our presentation. You can go the or uh, let's see, I got a clicker here. Okay, so yeah, we're still in Istanbul, and this is a picture that shows the Bosphorus and the bridge that goes across. Uh, the Bosphorus is a strait that separates the two continents, uh, Europe and Asia, and uh, it's a beautiful city, as you can see. And I had the privilege of running across this bridge when I did uh, the only cross-continental marathon uh, right before we left, actually three days before we left. And so uh, that was a, a beautiful race, and uh, the marathon kind of just uh, exemplifies our, our ministry in Turkey. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And uh, it's, it's going to take a long time to see uh, the fruit unless God decides to, to bring revival to uh, Istanbul and Turkey in general. So, so life continues after the coup that it, that happened about a year and a half ago in July. Um, we're still in a continuous state of emergency, which just means that the the government has more power to do what they want. So they can kick, give the boot to somebody that isn't following what they would like to see, and so we see a more dictatorship forming in Istanbul, in Turkey. Here's our team. Uh, we're the young bucks on the team. Uh, everyone else is 60 or older. And uh, our team leader there in the front has uh, been there since 1979. And he has discipled many of the pastors there now. When he first came, there was only about 50 evangelical believers. And now there's uh, between four and ten thousand, so uh, Turkey's come a lot, long way since he first came, and uh, so that's a huge praise. And he can testify to just how God has been working uh, there over the the last thirty five, forty years. And um, uh, we also have our Turkish pastor and his wife from Azerbaijan on our team, and they came to Christ through our ministry. Uh, about 25 years ago, and so they're a huge uh, testament to how God's been working as well. And it's a privilege to be working closely with our Turkish church and uh, and with our pastor. And then the other couple is uh, a couple from Colorado as well, and uh, they have they worked in Hungary for about 20 years, and then recently moved to Turkey about a year and a half ago. So. Uh, we get to soak up all their wisdom and experience and, and learn from them. So that's a, a privilege, and uh, we get to bring the youth and the energy to the team. 
so we still work through English clubs. Uh, this is a way that we can meet people and build uh, friendships. Uh, they all learn English in school, but rarely do they get a chance to speak it. And so they're very happy to practice with us, and uh, they consider it a huge service to them. And so we, we just offer a free English club, and we have about 40 to 50 people that come on a weekly basis. We do it on Wednesday nights, and uh, we use those relationships that we build to share the gospel. There is one thing that I would just add to what Brandon was saying. Um, we never say that we uh, teach them English. We practice English with them. Otherwise, we'd get in trouble with the government. Um, so it's we're always trying to go by the rules. And so if we say we're teaching English, we'll need a um, work visa, which we do not have. We just have a tourist visa. And so um, with that, it, there's always these little windows or... I don't know, hoops to jump through in order to do what we do. So even a simple English club is challenging. And then usually on Saturday or Sunday night, actually right now they are doing one of these movie nights that we do. And uh, last week they sh- they showed, uh, um, what's the movie they showed last week? Nativity. Uh, and this week, I'm not sure what movie they're showing, but uh, another similar Christian movie. We show Christian movies as a way to go deep into spiritual conversation. And this is with the people that we meet in English Club that are spiritually open. And so it's a, just a great way to go deep into the gospel. And uh, you can pray for them right now as they're uh, having one of these movie nights. Just pray for open hearts and minds and that uh, the gospel would, would reach... Uh, ears that are that are open and uh, yeah that uh, God would pierce their their hearts with the gospel so we had the privilege of seeing several new believers over the past year and a half since we've last spoken to you guys and uh, uh, two of them are on the picture on the left uh, the first one on the the drums is I fair I'll let Carrie tell her story so iFair was one of those um, who hung around with us. She would come to our English clubs, um, really receptive to foreigners, kind of came from a background of reading tarot cards and tea leaves and kind of a, a darker, kind of a background, more of a darker spiritual background. Um, so she was open spiritually, we would say. So she would... she. Um, came to our English clubs, and she said, we were talking about some spiritual topic, I can't remember, and she said, oh, I would really like to go to church sometime. I would really like to be connected. Um, And so we said, well, we can help you with that, but would you like to come to our our Bible study and movie night? And she said, yeah, sure, we'll come. I mean, I, yeah, I'll come for something social. And so she came, and as she was there, Brandon was sitting next to her. They were watching, like, the Book of John, mm-hmm. Gospel, um, of John. Gospel of John movie. And after the movie, it, it lays the gospel out pretty clearly. And so um, Doug was saying, was there anyone here who prayed to receive Christ? Brandon, you think you need to... <laughs> <laughs> and um, under her breath, she had said... she had prayed to receive Christ, and Brandon said, I think she prayed to receive Christ, and um, we followed up with her the next week, and sure enough, she had prayed to receive Christ, 
which was pretty amazing. So we're continuing to follow up with her um, even now. And then about a month later, she helped encourage the guy in the blue to also receive Christ. Uh, we had another movie night, and him and Ifair were the only two that came that particular week. And uh, he was ready, and, and she just was there to help encourage him and share that she made that decision about a month earlier. And so that's what we really hope for is disciples making disciples. Multiplying disciples is what we call them. And so that's the ultimate goal and uh, what we really long to see happen there in Turkey. And then the other guy on the right, uh, his name is Yusuf, and he's with Shaquille O'Neal there. And uh, he is in Atlanta now studying abroad, but he also made a decision to follow Christ uh, about a year ago, uh, actually right before, uh, right after the new year. And uh, uh, so we were able to connect him with believers in Atlanta, uh, and they're following up with him. And he, he's actually going to come visit us uh, the second weekend of January, and we get to, uh, he'll, he'll actually probably speak at another church with us. And so... Uh, it's a huge praise as well, and uh, uh, he just happened to work in this place where Shaquille O'Neal came to visit, so that's why he's with him. And I will say that we have continued relationships with people. Brandon's currently talking to a man from Lebanon. There's not just Turkish people that we are witnessing to. Mm-hmm. So this is our new family. This is the very first picture of our family of four. Um, yeah, Elias Allen Owens entered the world on July 1st, and he's very healthy and very chunky, and we're very thankful for him, and my mom was able to come for the birth and kind of see what we do in our daily life, and that was really good. Praise God for that. Um, This last summer, we took an international Bible class, so as crew members, um, they really want us to do be sound in our theology when we share the gospel. And so they require that we take these Bible classes, and it adds up to one year of seminary. And so um, this last year, we had a chance to go down. Um, baby Eli was just like a month old, and we had to read over 400 pages, and it was basically one class in one week, a semester class in one week. So it was a very busy time, um, but we enjoyed it. And then uh, we have about 10 teams in Istanbul within our company. And so every month we come together for a day of prayer. And this is just a very encouraging time where we update each other on our ministries and and pray for each other. And uh, we got to host this uh, meeting. We rotate hosting. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, encouraging to see all the pockets of our ministry and, and what's going on. Uh, This is us dedicating Eli to the Lord in our Turkish church. Uh, We have about 30 to 40 people that come to our our Turkish church, Uh, probably about uh, half of them Turks, uh, and then others trying to to reach those Turks, uh, mostly missionaries, uh, within our company, actually. And so, uh, yeah, it's a huge praise. Uh, uh, We used to go to an English-speaking church until our Turkish was adequate, and uh, we've since for the last couple of years, been able to go to Turkish church full-time. And uh, it's been a praise, and uh, yeah, it's great uh, working with our pastor so closely as well. We also help host a weekly church Bible study, and uh, we're one of four families that uh, helps host this. 
And it's just a way that we can go deep into the Word and also invite our interested friends that, that want to read the Bible with us. Uh, so my role has changed a bit since I've had children. I, um, the Lord has really placed on my heart to do a mom's ministry in our community. So we have two parks very close to our house, and the moms always take their kids there. And so I just felt that where I'm at in my life, my ministry field is there. Um, and honestly, if the woman doesn't, if the wife of a missionary doesn't feel like she's being effective, the unit won't survive overseas. And so um, I'm feeling very effective. Um, the Lord has really granted favor with a lot of the moms. Uh, I've met with three of them, and we do play dates. And I, it's just a time to, uh, to encourage them. But then also, if they ask me, well, why did you come to Turkey? Um, and I've kind of put it in my testimony, and I'm able to share my testimony with them. And it's okay to do that. It's, it's okay because we're in a private setting, and they asked me. And so I'm able to share the gospel even with them. So praise God for that. And every year we do a couple uh, island outreaches. There's several islands called the Prince's Islands, about uh, an hour boat ride, hour and a half boat ride away from Istanbul. They're actually still considered part of Istanbul. Uh, but uh, these people, uh, these secular Muslims, make a pilgrimage up to this church on top of the island because they believe that... Uh, if they can stretch a piece of yarn from the bottom of the hill to the church on top of the island, then their wishes or prayers will be answered. So uh, it's kind of a superstitious kind of thing. But uh, they're more open on this day, and so we go, we follow them up, and we pray for them. And we also do this outreach called uh, Henna Outreach, where uh, we draw a gospel design, uh, a design that represents the gospel on their hand, and these henna tattoos will usually cost like uh, $30, $40, and we give them for free, and then we tell the gospel story as as we're drawing these tattoos, and so it's a great outreach, and I was able to share with over 20 people uh, on this last day in uh, September, and uh, yeah, it was just a huge praise. They're very open, and they're so thankful, and uh, usually they're emotionally touched by the, the message as well, and so... Uh, pray for all these seeds that were scattered. We were also able to give out a thousand New Testament Bibles, uh, just our group. And so uh, there's actually about usually about four to five hundred missionaries that that go to these outreaches. And uh, so yeah, pray for all these seeds that were planted, and that our churches would start to see the fruit from uh, these outreaches. We also do boat outreaches, and this is uh, through our English clubs. We partner with other English clubs within our ministry and uh, do a big boat uh, gathering on the Bosphorus. And this is another way just to build friendships and for them to experience uh, Christian community uh, because uh, there's several different uh, missionary teams that partner, and they can really kind of get a taste of what that Christian community looks like. And then finally, uh, I used to play football. I played American football there for three years as my cover role, and uh, I also coached for a year. But uh, with the two kids uh, and a concussion, I've since transitioned to uh, adventure tourism, and so that's my new cover role. 
Uh, I'm partnering with another uh, team in a smaller city in Turkey who lives close to the, a big mountain. And uh, I'll be helping lead groups up mountains and, and uh, experiencing some of the more adventurous things in Turkey. And I'll do that a couple times a year, probably in the summers. And uh, that's just what I'll tell people for, for what I'm doing in Turkey. Uh, uh, because I obviously can't say that I'm a missionary. <laughs> so thank you so much for your, your partnership. Uh, do we have time for questions and answers or a couple? Okay. Anybody have questions? Uh, that was a smaller one because of the weather, but uh, anywhere from 50 to over 100, slightly over 100. Yep, yep. We seek to reach young professionals, but the other three teams we partner with are seeking to reach more college-aged students. So. I think it is. Their economy is doing fairly good besides the, the weak lira compared to the dollar. But uh, I think they do still struggle with high unemployment rate. All right. Yeah, yeah. I was going to do that. Thanks for coming up with that yourself too. Uh, uh, Father God, thank you so much for... Uh, Miller Christian Church and uh, their partnership with our ministry. Thank you for uh, our team and the movie night that they're putting on right now. I do pray that uh, people would be hungry for your word and that they would see Christ as as much more than a prophet. And uh, yeah, that you would just reign and save tonight, Lord. Help people to be born again and uh, become uh, committed disciples of you. Uh, We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. It's always a delight and and truly an honor to to hear what God is doing in you guys' life and what he's doing through you there. So thanks again for sharing. It's excellent. Well, as we look now, we're gonna we're gonna switch a little bit here. We're gonna look at, at Micah chapter five for just a few minutes as as we continue this this look at the gospel of Micah and and what it is that that he's saying to the people of Israel in their day and what it is we see from it. We've as we've been walking through. Remember Micah as as his oracles as his prophecies are being gathered together we see them in these cycles and we started with all these cycles of judgment of of people uh, nations being called to account and and of the the terrifying nature of the fact that that a holy god is calling people to account for their our shortcomings and then in, in last week, we switched over to, to chapter 4. And, and after seeing all those, those prophecies of judgment and, and the terror that's coming upon the people, we, we started to see these glimmers of hope. We see this message of salvation. 
that, that even as a holy God is calling his people to account, he's also fighting on their behalf. And so that's where we, we find ourselves today in, in Micah chapter 5. As we've seen God who is true, God who, who says what is truth, what is right, what is wrong. And a God who is powerful over all his enemies, a God who is fighting on behalf of his people. And I know even as we hear you guys' testimony from Turkey, we see God fighting on behalf of his people. That's so beautiful. So as we look toward Micah chapter 5, would you pray with me? God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are and for what you're doing. We thank you for you, sovereign and holy over all. Lord, you are the definition of truth. It is not for us to, to determine and to decide what is true, but to discover it in you. And God, we see that you are powerful over all things. And we thank you, Lord, that you have called us to yourself. That even as we were dead in our sin, you have called us to life. And you fight on our behalf. Lord, we thank you for revealing yourself in your word. We thank you even now as we look to it that we can hear from you. And that's our prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as we turn toward Micah chapter 5, we, we see God revealing again the ruler that he is bringing to his people. Who that ruler is going to be, what that ruler does, how that ruler lives, serves, even as he is ruling. And we'll see what the people's response is to be to that ruler. So Micah chapter 5 begins, Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. He shall be their peace. When the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. They shall shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword, the land of Nimrod at its entrances, and he shall deliver, from, deliver us from the Assyrian when he comes into our land and treads within our border. Then the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many peoples like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass which delay not for a man, nor wait for the children of man. The remnant of Jacob shall be among the nations in the midst of many peoples like a lion among the beasts of the forest, like a young lion among the flocks of the sheep, which when it goes through treads down and tears in pieces, and there is none to deliver. Your hand shall be lifted up over your adversaries, and all your enemies shall be cut off. And in that day, declares the Lord, I will cut off your horses from among you, will destroy your chariots. I will cut off the cities of your land and throw down all your strongholds. I will cut off sorceries from your hand, 
and you shall have no more tellers of fortune. I will cut off your carved images and your pillars from among you. You shall bow down no more to the work of your hands. I will root out your Asherah images from among you and destroy your cities. And in anger and wrath, I will execute vengeance on the nations that did not obey. As we've said before, even as we, as we are seeing these prophecies of salvation, these prophecies of hope, there's still that ringing of judgment in it as we're really looking at two sides of the same coin as we were sitting in those prophecies of judgment and and feeling the weight of that, there was always that that glimmer of hope as we see the two sides of that same coin. So chapter 5 picks up where chapter 4 left off as we're calling the people to battle, calling them to arms, and yet even as there's that call, there's this idea that, that God will fight on their behalf. And chapter 5 starts with that same thing, calling them as, as troops to arms. For siege is laid against them. The rod strikes the judge of Israel on the cheek. And even as we see that, we see that, that Micah may have been seeing that, that siege that is coming from Assyria. That, that Sennacherib, that general from Assyria, who came down, who defeated the northern tribes of Israel and took them away. Sorry, it was a general before him who took them away. Sennacherib came down and and came into Jerusalem. Set up siege all around Jerusalem. And and that siege, with that comes this hopeless feeling of being completely cut off. As, As the barricades are set up all around the city, as no one comes in or goes out, there's this idea that they're being cut off from everything and that they're just waiting for them to die out to give up. The second part of that, with a rod, they strike the judge of Israel. We may be looking even further on, because we know that the Sennacherib's siege against Jerusalem was a failure. God came in and he fought on behalf of his people. He destroyed them and they had to pull out. But then later as Babylon comes in, they did overpower Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar came in and took Israel's king off the throne. This idea of striking him in the cheek with the rod is not, is not a picture of some great battle, but again, a picture of helplessness. That the very king, the, the last vestige of power, is unable to, to stop it. As this pagan king comes in, just slaps him across the face. And there's this, this horror in that. As all Israel looks, and the idea that the one who is supposed to protect is now incapable of protecting. That may be the fear of every father. This idea that that being the one who's supposed to protect your family, the idea of being unable to do so is terrifying, and Israel's looking at this. And yet, even as as Micah looks at that, and even as God shows him this future that's coming, this this helplessness that the people are going to experience, this hopelessness that they're going to experience, he follows that right up with this idea that a new ruler is coming. Coming from Bethlehem. 
coming from a place that is not Jerusalem, that is not the city on a hill, that is not the place that is built up and everybody expects that to be the seat of power. It's coming from Bethlehem. Off by the side of the road. The small, quiet community. Full of shepherds and common people. From you... He's saying to Bethlehem, who are too small to be part of the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me the one who is ruler in Israel. Whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. That the telling of this ruler that's coming is one that has been anticipated. As the people are looking for a king, this is who they're really looking for. This is one who it says, as we look through the next verses, will reign in the strength of the Lord. He will shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. He will be the protector. He will be the provider in God's strength. That the people will dwell secure under this ruler. Because he will be great, it says in verse 4, to the ends of the earth. Not just in Bethlehem, not just in Israel. This ruler knows no borders. He is great over all the nations. And in verses 5 and 6, we get this picture of when the Assyrians come into the land, when, when the pagans come in and trample in and come into the palaces and come into the temple and they come in. It says they will raise up seven shepherds, eight princes of men, and will shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword. This ruler will bring forth his people in strength. He will be the one leading them. He will be the one fighting for them. And it will be, there's this this beautiful little tool that they use. That that seven shepherds and, and eight chiefs. This idea of seven being being this completion, this this full, this fullness. And this ruler will raise up enough to take them out. And enough plus one. Seven shepherds, eight princes of men. That as he fights on behalf of his people, there's nothing left to wonder. He is enough and more than enough for everything coming against them. This is the ruler that Micah sees coming. And of course, verse 2, we hear ringing again in Matthew. Right? As the Magi come to, to Herod and say, we're following a star. We're coming to see the king. We followed his star and, and Herod knows nothing of this king. And so he calls all of his, his counselors together and says, where is this king? And they repeat this prophecy. That the king was born in Bethlehem. This ruler that people are coming to find is from Bethlehem. We know that this ruler who shepherds his people in the strength of the Lord, this ruler who as he comes forth to fight their battles is enough and more than enough for everything that will come up against him. This ruler is Jesus the one who was born in such humble beginnings in a stable, in a quiet little place in Bethlehem. 
the place where we know another shepherd became king. The city of David. This is where this ruler comes from. As we look at verses 7, 8, and 9, we, we see God's people amidst all those around them. A, a remnant, it says, of Jacob in the midst of many peoples. This, this small group, as we talk about remnant, this group that is holding on to hope, this group that is following after the true ruler, that is among the many peoples, it says, like dew on the grass. Like showers of rain, this, this idea of refreshing and life-giving. And, and it talks about how the dew does not delay for man. It doesn't wait for the children of men. It, we know good and well that we can't do anything to make it rain. That, that we, can, we can try our best. We can, we can get the irrigation going and we can supply some moisture, but we can't do a thing to make it rain. Nor can we do anything to make it stop raining. It's all a gift from God that He gives out of His goodness. And as He gives that into the lives of His people, we get to be that reflection to those around us as a remnant amidst many people. The people of God are to be like dew and showers on the grass, this, this refreshing and life-giving thing. And yet, we've been talking about two sides of the same coin because the very next verse talks about the remnant of Jacob among the nations in the midst of many peoples like a lion among the beasts of the forest. This one against whom there is no defense. And we see that this message of salvation, this good news that comes from the gospel is good news. It is life-giving. It is refreshing for those who put their hope and trust in the ruler, in Jesus. But to those who would stand against him, to those who would say, my own way is just fine. I'm going to keep doing it my way. That message of good news is terrifying. Like a mauling lion. And so it is that we see in those last verses, 10 through 15, God calling his people to abandon everything in which we put our hope that is not him. As he says, he'll cut off the horses and chariots in verse 10. These offensive weapons of war. Verse 11, cut off the cities and the strongholds, the defensive weapons of war. Verse 12, the sorcerers and the fortune tellers, the, these places that, that we try and go to, to gather wisdom, to get knowledge. Verse 13, the carved images and the pillars, those places of worship. And in our lives today, it doesn't look like that, does it? It doesn't look like horses and chariots and, and strongholds. It doesn't necessarily look like sorcerers and fortune tellers. Carved images and pillars. But there are so many of those things that we put our trust in. Those things that, that we say, if, if I can just get this in place, then everything will be okay. If I can just get one more of these, then I'll be set. 
If I can just learn this or that, then I'll be okay. These places of, of self-reliance, these places of self-defense, these places of self-deception and self-worship, looking after my own thing instead of chasing after what the ruler is calling us to. This one who comes from Bethlehem, whose very birth we celebrate this time of year. He calls for all of us. He calls for each of us, and for each of us, he calls for all of us. That our hope is in him alone, because he is enough and more than enough for everything that will face us. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your obedience to to your plan. We thank you for your humble beginning in a stable in Bethlehem. We thank you for for willingly set us, setting aside the glories of heaven for a time so that you could take on the pain of this life. We thank you for your death on our behalf. We thank you for rising again from the dead. We thank you, Lord, for the life that we can have in you. And God, we pray for the strength. We pray for the faith. We pray for the trust to let go of those things that we hold ahead of you to trust that you are enough. God, we thank you for this time of year. And we pray that you would overwhelm us with who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.